Good morning, everybody. How are you? Now, if is is oh okay, fantastic. What there's one of you anyway. Is James here? James isn't up here. Because if he was here, I'd go. Are you all right? Are you all right, James? He's downstairs. Oh, you're right, James. You went all shuddery right there. Um, my wife and I, this is Sarah. So uh, why don't we just welcome Sarah? Let's give her a welcome. It's, uh, it's lovely to have Sarah with me because um, most of the time she doesn't get to come with me because we have three lovely children. She looks after them, and I'm either in another country or somewhere else. Um, so it's lovely, darling, to have you with us. Thank you for gracing me with your presence. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and it's, it's lovely to, to be in um, Becky and John's home and just hearing the stories. You know, when you listen to their stories and you hear what Jesus has done, you have to say, there is a God. There is a God. And, you know, all of us have a story, don't we? We've all got something that Jesus has done inside of us that has even caused us to be here today. And so even if you're here today and you're disgruntled, let me tell you something. You're here because there's something pulling inside of you saying you need to connect with God. I mean, why on earth would you be here otherwise? It's not come to listen to my lovely voice. It's actually because inside of every single one of us, there's a part of us that only God can fill. Only Jesus can fill it. And so I'm excited that you're here. I've been very excited to get up on stage today, not because I like to be on stage, but because I want to impart something of the goodness of God into your life. And so can we just pray just real quick? Let's just pray. I want you just to do this. Just do this with your hands. And by doing that, all you're saying is, God, I'm surrendering. That's what you're doing. God, I'm surrendering my will. I'm surrendering my ideas. I'm surrendering the fact that this man looks a bit different to what we're used to. I give all that up, Lord, and I just allow you to speak to me. Precious Holy Spirit, Um, We have already welcomed you here, but I want to just welcome you, myself, and I want to ask that you would speak to your people. I thank you that you are aware of every situation in this room. You're aware of every difficulty. You're aware of every trial. You're aware of every circumstance. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we say, would you please come and do what only you can do? We open up our minds and we open up our spirit to you, precious spirit. And we say, will you come and reveal Jesus to us that we can be changed into all that we are meant to be? And everybody said, amen. Why don't you tell the person next to you the best is yet to come? Come on, tell them quick. Best is yet to come. Tell them it's good to see you this morning. Come on, tell them. Oh, yeah. Well... My name is Adam. I was born at a very young age, and um, I spent a chunk of my life in South Africa growing up as a boy. I am British, hallelujah, but I did go to South Africa when I was a boy, and I grew up and I came to England um, right before my teenage years, Um, and uh, I grew up in the wake of um, Reinhard Bonnke. Anybody heard of him? In England, we call him Reinhard Bonnke because it sounds better than Bonnke, but it's actually Reinhard Bonnke. So don't get offended, all right? I haven't made a mistake right there. Um, Reinhard Bonker, and, and he, he used to have his big tent, because he's famous for big tents, on our church ground as a boy. So I grew up in the wake of, Africa shall be saved. <laughs> Africa shall be saved. From Cape Town to Cairo, Africa shall be saved. 
And uh, as a young boy, it impregnated me with something for the gospel. The gospel is still the hope of our nation. What is the gospel? It's the good news that Jesus Christ has come to set the captives free, that he shed his blood upon the cross so that we can go to heaven when we die and so that we can have wonderful life here on earth. What I mean by wonderful, I don't mean trial free, but I mean wonderful in the sense of enjoying the presence of Jesus. You haven't got to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy the presence of God, have you? And if you're a Christian here today, I know that's your experience. Because we get to have some of Jesus now. Everybody say now. Now. We get to have Jesus now. It's not the pie in the sky when you die. It's the steak on the plate while you wait, mate. That's what we get to enjoy now. And so I am, I am thrilled to be serving Jesus. I've just been part of planting 10 churches in Bulgaria in the last year and a half. Come on. There's a lot more work to be done, but we're excited about that. And uh, we train leaders and we plant churches. And that's been really exciting. I've been involved for a big chunk of my life in planting churches all over Europe. Uh, My wife and I actually planted a church in Zambia, Africa. When we first got married, we decided, let's go to Africa for a few months. And that's what we did. And we ended up planting a church. It was just crazy, wasn't it? Um, But, you know, loving Jesus is exciting. And if you're bored of church, well, just fall in love with Jesus. You know, I haven't come to give you a nice, friendly message this morning. I I don't do friendly messages. I tried it once, and it made me feel really horrible. (laughs) So God says, why on earth did you do that? I said, well, Lord, they just seem like such nice people. I didn't want to upset them. (laughs) So I haven't come to give you a nice, friendly message. I might say some things that get under your skin. Good. It might tick you off a bit. Good. Because what's the use of you just coming and getting all comfortable and getting all happy and having a happy, clappy time when the whole world is going to hell? We need to do something about it. And I believe that we're living in days when God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Black, white, Indian, Africans, even the Africans, they're South Africans. Welsh, even the Welsh. (laughs) Even the Scots. Oh my goodness. Every tongue and every nation, God is pouring out his spirit. And uh, he wants to pour his spirit out on you here in St. Austell. We visited St. Austell, for me, the first time last year on holiday. And so I was almost a bit shocked that I was here again yesterday. I was having a bit of deja vu with John on the beach thinking, man, I've been to Paul Dark's town before and here I am again. You know, it was all kind of weird. I'm going to pray for John a bit more. It must be so stressful for you living around here. (laughs) You know. Uh, may God really support and strengthen you, <laughs> give you grace. So we'll up the prayers for John, right? I want to speak this morning on being God's somebody. Everybody say somebody. somebody. Ever had a bad day? Now, we have bad days in Solihull, where I'm from. Solihull is the very south side of Birmingham. We're not Birmingham, we're Solihull, just so you know that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very important to say that. Um, but right on the very south side, right, right on the very edge, we, we, um, that's where we live. And in Solihull, we have bad days. You probably don't. So it's probably like alien language to you right now. We have bad days. Um, I want to I read a story um, for you real quickly that will encourage you if you're having a bad day or if you're having a bad situation right now. In 1998, in Paderborn, Germany, an overzealous coot zookeeper, Frederick Reisfeld, fed his constipated elephant 22 doses of animal laxative and more than a bushel of berries, figs, and prunes. 
Frederick, 46 years old, was attempting to give the alien elephant an olive oil enema when he relieved the beast, when the relieved beast unloaded on him like a dump truck full of mud. The sheer force of the elephant's unexpected defecation knocked Mr. Reisfeld to the ground, where he struck his head on a rock and lay unconscious. It gets worse. As the elephant continued to evacuate 200 pounds of dung on top of him. You know, I used to think I used to have bad days until I read that, and I said, hallelujah, Jesus. I've never been knocked out by an elephant yet. If you have your Bibles, turn real quick to Exodus uh, chapter 1, and we'll read the first few verses. But before we do that, just find it, Exodus chapter 1, and we'll read from verses 1 through to 10. But just some context to this reading. A man called Moses, who was a prince in Pharaoh's palace in Egypt, has run away from Pharaoh because he killed an Egyptian for beating an Israelite. We know the story, right? Now he has a new life living in the desert where he's been for many years. Now Moses' life can be divided into three phases, or three 40 years. 40 years in Pharaoh's court, learning to be a somebody. 40 years in the wilderness, learning to be a nobody. And 40 years serving God, Being God's somebody. And this morning, that's exactly what I want to speak on, being God's somebody. So let's read those verses. In fact, we will read um, chapter, uh, sorry, Exodus 3, um, 1 through to 10. Um, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, like you would, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses Moses, when your attention is attracted to God, God's attention is attracted to you. I say that again. When your attention is attracted to God, God's attention is attracted to you. Call upon me, says the Lord, and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And so as you Decide in your heart, God, I'm going to draw near to you. God says, you know what? God says, I'm going to draw near to you. Very often we're saying, God, come come to me. Come to me, God. Come and feed me. Come and help me. Come and be with me. God says, no, you come to me. You start to seek me. You start to get serious about me. And I am going to draw near to you. Isn't that good? His phone is never engaged. Um, it's never on charge. He's ready to hear you. The moment you start getting really serious for him. And so Moses turns and he looks to God and God turns to him and he looks at him and God starts to speak to him. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. 
Take the sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. He knows our sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all the other parasites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh." That you, yes, you, Moses, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is an incredible story. Who says the Bible was boring? It's an amazing story. It's the stuff of wild boys' dreams. I was sharing just last night, you know, um, that when I was a young lad, I had a a fire-lighting gift. Any other guys here that when you were young, you know, you had a fire. If you're still, if you're 28 and you still got a fire lighting gift, we need to call the police really quick. I, I had a fire lighting gift. And uh, so th- this is the stuff. When I read this story, it, 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 it connects me with some of my past. Um, but there's this bush. It's burning. And God comes out of this bush and he talks to Moses. He says, Moses, I'm getting, to, to, I'm getting ready to have the biggest jailbreak in human history. I'm going to bring two and a half million Jews out of Egyptian bondage, and I am going to use you to do it, boy. I'm going to use you. Israel weren't just having a bad life. They were having a bad, 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 bad life. Often when God shows up, it's sudden. It's sudden. Moses was tending his sheep. He was busy learning to be a nobody, minding his own business, shutting himself away from his past, doing his own thing, going about his daily routine, when suddenly, suddenly, there's God. It was the same for the Apostle Paul. He was on a mission. He thought he was serving God, actually, and he was out looking to persecute Christians on the road to Damascus, and all of a sudden, he has an encounter with Jesus. Suddenly, there's God. When God shows up, everything changes. Everything changes. When God shows up in churches, everything changes. When God shows up in your marriage, everything changes. When he shows up in your business, everything changes. When he shows up in the life of your children, everything changes. You see, you cannot bump into God and not be affected. Affected, rather. And you become effective as a result of bumping into him. But when you bump into Jesus, when when you connect with God, everything changes. God knows all about your situation today. He's getting ready to show up in your life. Amen? Can somebody agree with that? He's getting ready to show up. He's getting ready to pour out his spirit, yes? We've got to get ready for him. Often when God shows up, it's in the place of obscurity. Anybody been there? Place of obscurity. Your life doesn't seem to have much purpose. Oh, you're a Christian, but it still seems obscure. It's day in and day out stuff. A bit same old. Do you use that word here? It's same old. Same old stuff. 
Moses wasn't popular out there in the desert. He wasn't living in Pharaoh's palace anymore. He was a lonely wanderer, a shepherd, no high profile. I love that God can show up even when you are in a lonely place of insignificance. When you're learning to be a nobody. It's not nice learning to be a nobody. You see, sometimes God takes our lives and it's almost like he puts us on a shelf. We're busting with all this vision. We're busting with all these things we want to do for God. We have dreams. We we have purposes. We say, oh my goodness, if I can just do this and that. And it's almost like sometimes God takes us and says, yeah, it's real. It's going to happen. But for now, I just want to put you on the shelf. I want to teach you how to become a nobody. Oh my goodness, Lord, I thought you wanted to make me into a somebody. Listen, I've spent many years being nobody. Many years isolated. Many years unconnected inside of myself. Not that I wasn't in good churches, not that I wasn't with good people, but on the inside of me, there were times when God had to put me aside and say, Adam, I want to teach you how to be a nobody so that when my, my something comes in your life, when my glory comes in your life, you can't say it's all you because no flesh can glory in my presence. You will have to say it's all God. Just because you're not seen, just because you're not recognized, just because you feel unappreciated, it doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. This was literally the case with Moses. Don't despise the days of same old. Tell yourself that. Write it down if you're taking notes. Don't despise the days of same old. Same old stuff. Obscurity. God has not forgotten you. When God shows up, his vision is always bigger than ours. Always. Mate, you've got a bigger vision than what you see right now. That's why it drives you crazy sometimes. Because you say, God, it should be bigger. Thank you for what you've done, but it should be bigger. And uh, God wants to do that. You know, I see all kinds of people coming into this church. I see broken people coming into this church, mate. Disenfranchised people. People that are disenfranchised from society. People that are disenfranchised from their community. People that are forgotten. You know, there's a beautiful story in the Bible where um, a, a, uh, a man was throwing a party, a parable, and, and, and the invitation went out to everybody. And uh, they waited for everybody to come, and, and people never came. And then the owner said, wow, Flipping heck, let's, uh, we, we've obviously not sent the invitation out far enough. Let's go into the highways and the byways. Let's go and, and send it to places where people are disenfranchised. And what happened? It was full. It was full. And there's a real key right there. When the church does the work of the Lord, which is to feed the widows, to look after orphans, something special happens. Because it's the heart of God. And so I see broken people, more broken people coming. When they come, be ready to receive them. Sit next to them. Don't say, well, you have a little seat back there. We sit down the front. Sit next to them. Connect with them. Because the glory of the Lord is going to come through these. And they're going to be trophies. They're going to be trophies in the house of the goodness of God. Amen? Isn't that good? When God's vision comes to us, it's always bigger than ours. I'm going to use you, Moses. Yes, you. You're my plan. I don't have a plan B. You're it. I want to use you to deliver two and a half million people. Oh, my goodness, that's a big vision. 
I mean, if God said, I'm going to give you all of St. Austell, or every, every single, you'll go, that's pretty big, God. That's pretty big. But God didn't say, I'm going to give you all St. Austell. He said, I'm going to give you a whole nation. And so Moses is like, what? A whole nation. His vision is always bigger than what we may be thinking. <laughs> that must have seemed like an audacious, ridiculous impossibility. But you know, God works in the impossible. Don't limit him to your possibilities. Add impossible when you think about God. God's vision for you is bigger than you see right now, sir. Than you see right now, ma'am. Than you see right now, young person. God's vision for you is bigger than you see. When God shows up, it always takes faith. A lot of people say, I want more faith. Well, if you want more faith, you're asking for more hassles. Because you don't need faith when everything's good. You can cruise along. You can get by. Oh, God, increase my faith. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, I receive faith. Whoa, okay. Well, you know what? If you want more faith, you've got to go through stuff so that you can put faith into operation. Otherwise, you're living in fantasy land, my friend. Living in a Christian bubble, dreaming. You know, faith is active. It's living, it's active, it's given that things may happen in the spirit. It's given that we may see the purposes of God fulfilled. And so, when God shows up, it always takes faith. God will always position you in a place where your faith will need to be stretched past and and, and past its expectation and, and grow bigger. Faith is God's exchange currency. When you give him faith, he gives you the breakthrough. He gives you the miracle. He gives you the victory. He, the dream is birthed when you operate in faith, when you do something. We all have a measure of faith. But let me tell you, my friend, if you do not use it, you will lose it. It will shrink. It will not become active. You will become a churchgoer. How many people just want to be churchgoers? There's many churches with just churchgoers. They have a nice little sermon on Sunday. Hallelujah, brother, bless you. Oh, doesn't your dress look beautiful? I'm going to buy one like that next week. And uh, that's all their Christianity is. So flipping boring. I mean, gee, it is. Does that upset you? Good. But that's boring. It's boring when there's so much more. And guess what? It's not an age thing. All the old people went. (laughs) If If you have breath in your body, God still has something for you to do, my friend. Still got something to do. You're not pushing up dandelions just yet. Those days are on the way, but you won't know about it anyway. We will, you won't. God still has something for you to do. I'm glad you're here. That's what your top says. That's awesome, man. That means that you're talking to people about, I'm glad you're here. You're doing something. God still has something for you to do. It'll always take faith. When you read the book of Acts, you cannot escape the fact that the early church was birthed in the miraculous. God is a miraculous God. It's his nature. However, it takes faith to release the power of God and the purpose of God in our lives. 
Exodus 4, 1 to 3, I read it very quickly. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the floor, Moses. So Moses cast it on the floor and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. You see, God saw what Moses could not see. He saw something else. When he looked at him, he saw something else. When God looks at you, he sees something else. When you look at yourself, you only see you. When God looks at you, he sees greatness. He does. How can he not see greatness when God himself is living in you? Greatness is inside of you. We are the temple of who? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Are we saying that greatness is not inside of us? If we are, repent very quickly. Because you're bringing God to a very low level. God is inside of you. He's in you. And when God looked at Moses, he saw what Moses couldn't see. Have you ever wondered why God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? I mean, come on, God, I, uh, do you not know what this is in my hand? Don't you know? Of course God knew. He knew exactly what was in Moses' hand. And yet he asked him, what is it? Moses said, it's, it's my rod, God. It's my rod. And Moses' rod was his skill. It was his day job. It represents the fact that he was a shepherd. It was his livelihood. It was his ability. That's what his rod stood for. I reckon what God was actually saying to Moses was, Moses, you think it's just a rod. You think it's just your same old. It's just your day-to-day job. Let me show you how I see it. Lay that before me. Put that same old before me. Put that normal thing that you consider just something you can do very easily, something you do every day, put that before me. God knew the potential of what Moses actually had in his hand. It was something far greater. Why is it that sometimes we feel that what we have to offer God is not good enough? You look at your life, and we've all done it. We do it periodically. We say things about ourselves. We believe things about ourselves. People have said stuff about us while we were growing up. People have looked at us in a certain way. The pastor didn't talk to us one, one Sunday, so we, you know, we took that as a bit of an issue. And we've built up a category of stuff that we think about ourselves. And so when God starts to prod us by his Holy Spirit, we suddenly have all these excuses why we cannot. You know, I'm working with church planters in the nations that have nothing, my friends. Nothing. I've sat with the poorest of people. But let me tell you something. They're casting out demons. They're seeing the sick healed. They're establishing churches. The kingdom of God is growing and they have nothing. But what they have discovered is that the greatness of God in them is pulsating to do something for God. And it's awesome. But sometimes we come to God and we think we have nothing. Remember the boy with the loaves and the fishes You know, when you give God your insignificance in God's hands, it becomes much. It becomes much. And so God always calls to your potential. When he looks at you, he calls to your potential. There are gifts and abilities on your life that God wants to use. You better believe it. My love, there's gifts and abilities on your life 
that God wants to use more than you've ever used, more than you think you can use, and even some stuff that you've never used. God says, I want to use it. My family, when I was growing up in South Africa, there was a lady who lived next door to us. And uh, are we for time? Are we okay? Are you okay? If you're asleep, I'm the kind of guy who just comes alongside you and just wakes you up a little bit. And kindly, just say, hey, how are you? So wake up real quick. I can see someone, but I'm not going to do it right now. There was a lady who lived next door to us called Magda. Magda was uh, uh, an older lady. We were just kids. And she was awesome at baking cakes. That's what she did. She was a Christian. Our family weren't Christians. But at around about 5 o'clock, most days, especially at weekends, we'd hear... And we'd answer the door. There was Magda. Hi, Janice. That's my mother's name in an Afrikaans accent. Hey, Janice. How are you? Oh, hello. My mother, very English. Hello. Um... I was just baking some cakes, and I hope you don't mind, but I baked some for you. Oh, gee, th- thank you. Thank you. Take the cakes, and she'll come and, and bring them to our table, you know, around about dinner time. And as kids, we were just like, whoa, because they were so good. And, then we, and it got to a point where we would be waiting for five o'clock to come, because we knew there would be a... There was Magda, the cake-baking lady. And she just did this. She just kept showing love. You would never have seen Magda on a stage preaching. You would never have seen her on a street corner shouting the gospel. You would never have seen her doing anything up front. But behind the scenes, she discovered something that she could use her same old, her little gift, to bless someone. And I could imagine Magda baking those cakes. Oh, Jesus. These awful English family next door to me. Don't talk to me, Jesus. I just pray, Lord, that you will really bless them in the name of Jesus. It's Holy Spit, Lord. She'd be baking these cakes and she'd she'd bring them. And you know what? Eventually, my mother's heart melted. Eventually, she earned the right to speak to my mom. And my mom was so caught up in the fact that this lady was loving us unconditionally, that her heart opened to her. Eventually she led my mother to Jesus. My my dad came to Jesus. As kids, we came to Jesus. Then we were on Reinhard Bonker's church where I got to hear more of the gospel. I started to get a bit excited as a young boy and God started to do something in my life all because a lady took her same oil and started to use it for God. She said, God, I, I don't have much, but I can bake cakes. And now listen, I stand on stages all over the world preaching the gospel because of a lady that baked flipping cakes. Come on! So your same oil can do something significant for the gospel. Listen, is Mag- when we get to heaven, God's probably going to turn around and Magda first before he talks to me. He's probably going to say, Magda, you come here. And I'm saying, God, but here I am. It was me who went out there, Lord. He's going to say, no, I want to speak to the cake baker first. Thank you for everything you did in Adam's life because he got to do this because of you. Hallelujah. Just because she baked blooming cakes. We came to Jesus. You can bake a cake. Next time you go to Tesco's or, or, or wherever you like to shop or Aldi's or whatever, you know, buy two cakes so you can give one to your neighbor and just start doing it every now and again. You know what? Their heart's going to melt because no one has ever done that to them before. Then you're going to earn the right to start sharing the gospel. 
And they're going to start listening to you. And then when you invite them to things, they're going to go, oh my goodness, I feel compelled because I've seen this Jesus in them before I've ever walked in their church. Same old. God calls to our potential. He called to Moses' potential. God draws your attention to what you can do today. He draws your attention to your rod. And he says, listen, would you lay it before me because I want to do something with it. The last thing God says to Moses at the burning bush is this. He said, and you shall take this rod, this insignificance in your hand. And with it, you shall do the signs. You'll take the rod, Moses. And with it, you shall deliver my people. With your insignificance, you will do much. Two and a half million people. That is a lot of people. And I can do it through your rod. There's enough potential in here to shake the all, all of St. Hostel. The fact that you are in your street, there's enough fire in you to shake your whole street. You know, in the Welsh revival, we joke about the Welsh. In fact, the English, we joke about everybody, don't we? But we joke about the Welsh. But you know what? It was such a revival in the, in, in, in the Welsh revival, such, 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 a, such a, an awesome flood of the Spirit of God that people were falling in the streets under the anointing of God. They would walk past church buildings and they would fall. They would shout out in market squares, what must I do to be saved? Just randomly as the Spirit of God was breathed. Come on, do you not want to see those days again? That's what church is all about. You'll be so excited to be here, you won't want to miss one service. With this rod, you will do the science. God takes our ordinary natural abilities and he adds his super to our natural. You cannot allow your circumstances to dictate to dictate or control your future. I want to finish with this. I want to wrap this up, just this last little piece. I've not got through all of my stuff, but I think I've said enough this morning and we're going to pray. Remember Moses' excuses. All the excuses why he couldn't do it. Well, his insecurity, chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that you should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Inferiority, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Inadequacy, verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I, I, I'm not eloquent. Unworthiness, verse 13. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Since when has God been intimidated by your weakness? Do you think he's stressed out because you don't feel you can do it? Do you think he's worried because you don't feel that you can step up to the mark? You're scared of talking to people. Do you think God's worried about that? you think he thinks, oh my goodness, my church is going to shrink back because they're scared of talking to people? Your lack of experience, your upbringing, your nationality, your age, your lack of resources, who's with you, who's not with you, is of no consequence or stress God out one tiny bit. He is God. And with Him, He is God. And with Him, 
Let that sink in for a minute. We're going to do that again. He is God, and with him, I'm a very simple man, and I've discovered that all means... Wow. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. God hasn't forgotten you, mate, in the black coat. He's not forgotten you. And you don't feel like you're much. In fact, you feel often that you're at the very bottom of the pile. But you ain't, mate. Somebody give him a high five really quickly. Go on, just give him a... You really ain't. You're not at the bottom of the pile. And you're here today because God just wants to say something to you and encourage you. Is that good? It is good, man. It's true. He is God and with all things. All things are possible through him. Let's not be naive. We cannot deny our current reality or our facts. Moses' current reality was that he was a murderer on the run, that he had fled to save his life. He was afraid to return back to Egypt because he was wanted there. He lived out of the backside of the desert. He lost his identity, and now he was a nobody. He had a speech impediment. That's why God used Aaron, interestingly, only because Moses protested. God, I can't speak! Surely you're not going to let me go because I can't speak. All right, I'll give you Aaron. If, he, if God knew he couldn't speak, you know, he had a stutter and a stammer. Stamina? Stamina? And yet God still was prepared to use him, though he couldn't speak. Do you know I, what I believe would have happened is as he got to Pharaoh, I think the Spirit of God would have come on him and he would have been able to speak fluently anyway. That's what I think would have happened. But because he protested, God says, all right, Aggie Aaron. You know, you're not getting out of it, Moses. I've got this plan. I want to do it through you. He didn't want to do it, but God wanted him to do it because he was scared and felt totally incapable. It was his job to do it. Whose voice are you listening today? We're going to wrap it up now. Whose voice are you listening over your life? Are you listening to the negative experiences that you've had in the past? Are you listening to some of the failures that you've experienced? Listen, everybody fails. You know, everybody makes mistakes. The thing is, it's not how you started. It's how you finish. Everybody lets people down from time to time. Everybody lets God down from time to time. But are you listening to your failures? Are you listening to the fact that you don't feel what you've got is really significant for the kingdom? Listen, for this church to continue to grow, and it's an awesome church, I love the worship. In fact, the song that you sang, Wonderful Savior, Sarah's brother wrote that song. So when we were singing it this morning, we were just thinking of Andrew, Andy Bromley. We were going, all right, mate, yeah. We're singing your song in St. Austell. Um, But, you know, it's... Whose voice are you listening to? God has destiny. This lady here with the orange hair. You've been soaking this in this morning. God has destiny over your life, girl. You've got destiny over you. Greatness over you. I don't know your situation, but God has greatness over you. 
I like your bow. You've got a nice bow in your hair. God has greatness over you too. Is this your husband? Yeah? You're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. You're not a black man by accident either. (laughs) What I mean is God determined for you to be black. Because there's certain people that you can speak to that I can't. Certain connections with certain kinds of people that you can have a connection with that I can't. And so everything is not accidental with God. It's purposeful. The stuff you've been through is absolutely purposeful. It's amazing what God uses. God uses our abuses. God uses our pain. God uses our trials. God uses our situation in order that his glory would be revealed and the church of Jesus Christ will grow. Hallelujah. So we're going to pray. Is that okay? The lady that plays the piano, is she here? Come real quick. Is she around? Oh, yes, she is. Thank you. Go on, give us a little jog, just a little... There you go. Oh, sorry. She is with child. Bless your love. Thank you so much. We're going to pray. But you might be here today, maybe for the first time, maybe for the second, maybe for the 50th time. Um, I don't know. But this is the first person I want to pray for. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, I don't get it all. In fact, I don't understand everything that that man's been talking about. But one thing I do get, and that is that you love me, that you care about me died for me on the cross that I can be forgiven for all of this ugliness, my sin, so that I can have a relationship with you. Jesus, I get that. Let me tell you, my friend, he's ready to receive you. He's ready to heal you. He's ready to accept you into his family. One day, it's going to be curtains for you and for me. It's all going to be over. The Bible then says we stand in judgment. We meet God. It's not going to be a a happy experience for everybody because for some, they will not make it to heaven. Others will, because they had the opportunity of receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior right now, today, while they had the opportunity.